Welcome to Milk and History in 10 Minutes. Milk is drunk and forgotten history is told. This week's episode centers around the life of scientist Robert Hooke. We have our milk. Let's begin. Robert Hooke was born in Freshwater, United Kingdom on July 28, 1635. Freshwater is an island near the coast of the mainland. His town was ravaged in later years by people who opposed the king. The king had taken sanctuary on the island where there were many royalists. Hook, however, was more interested in science, despite the financial and educational challenges he endured as a result of the turmoil. From a young age, Robert had a fascination with shells and observed them in great detail. He was always fascinated with things in the natural world, and this inspired his later work. Many scientists are described by their greatest accomplishment. Hook's story is not as clear. He had some involvement in numerous scientific experiments but was so busy that he ultimately completed almost nothing, from clocks to light to cells. Hooke took many inventions most of the way. I want to talk briefly about clocks. Many clocks in England used a pendulum to keep time. However, the British Navy could not use a pendulum clock due to the shifting motion of the ships, and using the position of the sun was not very accurate. The British Navy, therefore, offered a reward to anyone who could devise a clock system that would keep time on a ship. Robert Hooke began work. He realized that springs could be coaxed into moving up and down at a particular frequency that could be counted in order to keep time. Hooke decided that a spring that could maintain a particular motion would be optimal for the Navy's clock. However, finding this perfect spring escaped him. Benjamin Huntsman can be credited with creating the perfect spring for small clocks like pocket watches later, but the spring for the Navy's purposes was developed by another person. Many clocks now keep time using quartz, but that's a different story. At Hooke's time, many rudimentary microscopes were being developed. Each one made small images clearer and clearer. Hooke's fascination with ways of bending light, which we'll get to in a moment, led him to tinker with microscopes as well. After numerous experiments, he sliced a thin shard of cork, which is a living plant, and placed it under his microscope to see what was visible. To his surprise, rather than just a zoomed-in picture, he was able to see small, broom-like compartments in the cork. He coined them cells, or little rooms. We still use this term today. His fancy for microscopy stemmed from his fascination with light. Hooke came up with the idea that light split through a prism separates into its component colors. This is true. Another, much more famous scientist, claimed that split light sent back through the prism would form white light once more. That man's name was Sir Isaac Newton. Newton and Hooke argued frequently, since they did much of the same research. Except that Hooke devised the theoretical ideas for these discoveries while the calculation confirmations were performed by Newton. Newton claimed that simply theorizing was not enough to get credit for the discovery, and the difficult calculations were the most important element. Hooke obviously disagreed. Hooke's most public clash with Newton was over mentions in the book that Newton published regarding gravitational attraction between objects. Hooke felt that as the theorizer of such an idea, he should receive mentions and credit in the publication that Newton wrote on the matter after Newton calculated the exact gravitational attraction between certain planets.
Hooke and Newton corresponded extensively on the matter, and some of the responses sent by Newton are tru truly scathing and have been noted by many scientists and historians. Hooke was a prominent scientist, however, and the chair of the Royal Society, a prestigious scientific institution in England. He often relied on the support of other members of the society in order to earn credit for certain theories, but he was denied this support on several occasions for a quite frustrating reason. Robert Hooke is sometimes referred to as England's ugliest scientist. His appearance was not particularly pleasing, according to many of his contemporaries and friends. Granted, some of these accounts were written following several uses of certain drugs by Hooke. He claimed that they reduced pain, but they really ended up giving him headaches and making him look very sickly. But others detail that his wig was ugly, or not in fashion, or that his pa posture was poor from constantly bending over his laid, the workbench. The Royal Society had a heavy reliance on the public. Good relations with the people were essential to keeping the society in function. For them, the young and extremely handsome Sir Isaac Newton was a better selection to be the face of the Royal Society, as more citizens would choose and trust him for information. Thus, many of Hooke's ideas were not given the support that he felt they deserved. At the age of 67 in 1703, Hooke died of complications potentially related to diabetes. In regard to the accounts of his ugliness, we can no longer make a decision. Hooke had several portraits of himself made. He died as chair of the Royal Society and was succeeded by his rival, Sir Isaac Newton. It is worth wondering if Newton is the cause of Hooke's legacy's disappearance. After Newton ascended the chair, all books of portraits of Hooke disappeared from the Royal Society. Blame cannot be fixed on Newton as we do not know what happened precisely, but it is rather suspicious. There are portraits that may be of Hooke that have survived, but we can no longer identify them as such. New recreations of Hooke have been created based on the descriptions of his friends and contemporaries, but the accuracy of such depictions cannot be spoken upon as we no longer now know how he looked. Hooke was always a distant sort of person, and he never married. However, rumors have surfaced regarding a relationship with a certain female, perhaps a cousin or sister. These are just speculations and cannot be spoken upon either. The only person with whom Hooke worked well, according to records, is a young gentleman who came to be Hooke's laboratory assistant. The boy worked well with Hooke and understood cues that Hooke gave without needing words. Hooke seems to have relaxed into a period of calm during his time working with the boy. However, the boy soon left to obtain a higher position elsewhere and Hooke hired a new assistant. This one did not understand nonverbal cues and Hooke was endlessly frustrated with him. He is thought to have withdrawn more into himself at the arrival of this new assistant. In the end, Hooke died alone. There was no one to carry on his legacy, and his life was constantly shadowed and smeared by the much more famous favorite of the Royal Society, Sir Isaac Newton. Nonetheless, his scientific contributions expanded well beyond cells, which is probably the only thing besides Hooke's law that he is known for and deserve to be recognized. For more information, the book The Curious Life of Robert Hooke, The Man Who Measured London by Lisa Jardine is an excellent resource. 
The goal of this podcast is to shed light on the lives of historical figures who did not get the rewards or recognition that they deserve. This has been 10 Minutes of Milk and History. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. Next week, we will be discussing the life of Fritz Hayward.